Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. last time that you were happy. And when I say happy, I'm not talking about like life is good and comfortable. I'm not talking about that kind of happy. And I'm also not talking about the last time that you were relieved. That's a feeling of happiness when something could have gone wrong and it didn't or something you were waiting to accomplish something and it, and it finally happened. You were kind of relieved it was done. That's a happy feeling. But I'm talking about the type of happiness that has anticipation, it's overwhelming delight and excitement. The kind of happiness that I couldn't describe any better than us watching my daughter Haley react to a Christmas tree a couple years ago. Check this out. <laughs> that is the happy that I am talking about. Like you could bag that happy up and you can sell that happy because everybody wants that type of happiness in our life. And in fact, that is what's sold to us. It's sold to us in every form, starting when we are young. We are, we, are, we are sold aspects of being a part of the right friend group or the right clique or the cool kids club because... Being accepted is a place of happiness. Or maybe through sports or academics where accomplishments become a place of happiness. Or maybe the party where we try the things that make us happy that we know we shouldn't be trying because we're looking to be happy. And that continues into our adult years. We deserve the happiness of kicking back with that drink. We deserve the happiness of going to that specific restaurant that makes us happy to have that specific meal that makes us happy. And let's talk about the guy or the girl that makes us happy, right? We want the relationship that's going to make us happy. And as long as it makes us happy, we're in. But as soon as it doesn't, we're going to go from that relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship until we end up with someone who's ultimately going to make us happy. And then let's talk about our careers or our jobs. We want to make sure that what we do makes us happy. And we only want to do it as long as it's making us happy. And it better pay us enough money because money is also something that's going to help us to be happy so that we can buy the things that we want, the things that will make us happy. We buy the house because it makes us happy, but it's just, it's step one. This isn't our dream home, right? We're just investing a little bit. We know the home that we're thinking of that's going to truly make us happy. And it's the same thing with cars. We were so happy to get the car that got us from A to B, but we know, you know which car it is that you really want, the car that will make you happy. Are you exhausted yet? <laughs> I'm exhausted just thinking of all these things. These are things we add to our life while we're pursuing happiness. So you know what we need next, right? We need the vacation that's gonna make us happy. So we start looking for the right getaway or the right vacation that can make us happy. And in the meantime, vacation is not till summer. At this point, I got to get something to get me by. So let's turn to entertainment. We find the next show that we can binge that makes us happy. Or we need a new personal goal to go after that's going to make us happy. And then when life gets tough, because the reality is life gets tough. We start turning to all of the things in our life 
that help us forget that deep down, we might actually really be unhappy. And cue the rise in our society and culture of anxiety, depression, and addiction. And we're going to have a conversation about those specifically next month. And I'm really excited about that. But simply put today, I think that we could all agree that we are a culture of happiness junkies. Like we are a culture of happiness junkies. We are looking for happiness everywhere. And as my daughter grows and as she looks for happiness, like what that video was that we saw, as she looks for that in every form in her life, there is some specific things that I really want her to know about the truth of happiness. And, and it's truth that I need to know and I need to be reminded of and I, and I think that we all need to know and be reminded of. The truth is this, happiness, it's a feeling that's based on our circumstances. We could put it this way, happiness happens to us. It's out of our control. And it's why we may have moments of happiness, but it can run away super quick. On the contrast, there's something that's similar to happiness that far surpasses happiness that I want to discuss today. And this is something when people have this in their life, they're a different kind of people. They have a strength and a courage and a resilience about them. They are a people who in the midst of a crazy world right now, they stand out. This is a people who are set apart. And what they have is joy. Joy is similar to happiness, but it is far, far better. In the Bible, joy is mentioned over 150 times. And the word that Jesus used to describe joy and some of his followers, the most common word they used was a Greek word, kara. And what kara was describing was an inner gladness. It was an inner gladness that was not based on circumstances. In other words, not what happens to us. It's founded in our spiritual reality that's found in our faith in God. Because joy is, is, is God. It, like the very essence of God is joy. And the Holy Spirit wants to manifest his joy in all of his children who choose to trust in him and to believe in him. And so today I want to talk about how we can spot the differences between happiness and joy in our life and how we can make sure that we take possession and hold of this joy. So number one, happiness is fragile, but joy is unbreakable. Say it again, happiness is fragile, but joy is unbreakable. We just listed a lot of things that we turn to in our life, circumstances that make us happy. Let's, let's just reiterate that they are fragile. If that relationship is what's bringing you a lot of happiness, I want to remind you that your relationships are fragile. If your job is what you're turning to for happiness, I want to remind you that your job is fragile. If your health is what you're turning to for happiness, I want to remind you that your health is fragile. If you were turning to gas prices to make you happy, <laughs> fragile. The circumstances that make us happy are completely out of our control. I want to look at the story of a guy in the Bible who had everything in his life that you could want to make you happy and he lost it all. This is about Job. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. 
He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Job was loaded. He had a lot of livestock. He had a lot of supply. He had 10 children. Job was a really hospitable dude. He was the place where the parties went down. He threw parties for his kids and all their friends. This dude had a very happy life. And if you haven't heard the story, what took place is Satan was roaming around the earth to cause destruction because he's Satan. And that's what he does. And God and him have this conversation. God asks him if he would consider his servant Job. And which Satan replies is like, Job's got it made. Like he's got all the circumstances that would make him happy. Let, let, me, let me play with that. Because what Job's ultimate goal is, or what Satan, sorry, what Satan's ultimate goal is with Job and with you and me is he wants to convince you that God won't make you happy. He wants to convince you that if you want happiness in life, you have to walk away from your faith. And so his goal is to take all the circumstances that you think are just coming from God and his only way to reach out to you. And he wants to break that. And so God allows this with Job. So on day one, here's what happens with Job. He loses his livestock. He loses his servants and his 10 children are killed. Brutal day. And then if that wasn't enough, Satan comes back for round two. And on day two, Job's health is hit. He's, he's hit with all these skin sores. Now his relationship with his wife, his wife's questioning why he's still calling out to God. So he's got emotional pain. He's got relational pain. He's got physical pain. He's got mental pain. It's all getting poured on. His circumstances, all the things that could have given him happy feelings, they have taken a real low. And I love this story because there's true theology in here. And I just want to address something. Maybe in your life, you've been, you've been taught some bad theology at some point. Some theology that said that if you trust God and walk with him, then you will have favorable circumstances that will give you the things you want that will make you happy. That's bad theology. The, the scriptures told us that Job was blameless and upright. This was a man who trusted God. And yet the happiness that came from his circumstances proved to be fragile because those circumstances were fragile. On the contrary, Jesus had a brother named James that had this to say about joy in the midst of circumstances. This is in James chapter one. He said to consider it pure, what's that word? Let's try it again. Consider it pure, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And what James was letting people know is trials are coming, testing is coming. This is going to be where circumstances go up and down, and it's, it's not going to be in your control. And the feelings of happiness, they're, they're, they, may, they may go come and go, but joy can be something that you could choose and consider in this time. You could consider this trial joy because in the trial, God's doing a work. He's maturing your faith in this time, and he's showing you through whatever trial you're walking through that your faith and the joy that's in your faith can weather any circumstance. In fact, this is what Job had, and this is how he responded at the end of the worst day of his life. 
It says that this Job got up and he tore his robe. He shaved his head and then he fell to the ground. Remember, he's lost everything, including his children. (laughs) He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I'll depart. The Lord gave and the Lord is taken away. May the name of the Lord be what? Let's try it again. May the name of the Lord be? What is praise? Praise is when you tell someone that they did a good job. Praise is when you say, you did a good job. Job just got to the end of the worst day of his life and he looked up at God and he said, God, you did a good job. You did a good job. I've lost everything. I'm broken. But God, you did a good job. In other words, I still trust you. I still trust that you're better than anything else I could turn to in this world to bring me happiness. All of that is fragile. But God, you're unbreakable. You did a good job. Where does that come from? That's tough. Let's keep learning about the the difference between the two. Number two, happiness has hangovers, but joy comes in the morning. Happiness has hangovers, but joy comes in the morning. Uh, I heard that our, our um, translator for Foothills Espanol, they're, they're getting the technology ready. We're so excited about this launching on Easter. Uh, she reached out and she said, so point two, happiness has hangovers. Are you talking about like partying, like partying hangovers? Is that, is that where you were? I don't know how to, how to like, is that, I just want to make sure before I translate that we're talking about that in church, right? I thought, you know what, let's one-up that. If you're in this room and you've ever had a hangover, would you raise your hand? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I... <laughs> Hey, we're real people at Foothills, you know. <laughs> I was having a conversation with my buddy Andrew recently. And um, he's a Georgia Bulldog fan, okay. Um, don't, 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 don't check out of the story yet. It, it, it's good, I promise. Um, anyways, he was, he was sharing with me just, um, you know, how excited he was recently. If, if you don't know, Georgia experienced a Christmas miracle in January. Yeah. They, they broke a generational curse and won their first national championship in 40 years, literally 40 years. And obviously, Andrew was very excited. He's been a fan his whole life. He's waited his whole life for a, uh, a championship. And so he, he's just sharing like, oh, this was epic. It was awesome. But then he shared just like in an honest moment. He's like, I woke up the next day and, and here's what reality was is like, things kind of were back to normal. And all of like what I was anticipating, my life wasn't any different. It wasn't necessarily better or worse. And ultimately I wasn't that much happier. Now I wanted to tell him, that's because Andrew, you're still a Georgia fan today. That's, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's clearly why. <laughs> no, but he, he's pointing out a really good and true principle. Like if you've longed for something in your life, a circumstance that will make you happy, and you get to that point, it doesn't take long to realize that it's kind of an empty feeling afterwards. You finally got there, and 
and it didn't bring you what you thought it would. It didn't fulfill you like you thought it would. There's a king named Solomon in the scriptures. He wrote one of my favorite books in the Bible, Ecclesiastes. And he talks a lot about this feeling throughout his life. I want to look at this together. He says this, Oh, how I prospered. I left all my predecessors in Jerusalem far behind. Left them behind in the dust. What's more, I kept a clear head through it all. Everything I wanted, I took. I never said no to myself. I gave in to every impulse, held back nothing. I sucked the marrow of pleasure out of every task. My reward to myself for a hard day's work. Then I took a look, good look at everything I'd done. Looked at all the sweat and hard work, but when I looked, I saw nothing. Nothing but smoke. Smoke and spitting into the wind. There was nothing to any of it. Nothing. If you read this whole book, this is filled with accounts where he would, he would experience pleasure or things that would make him happy. And he would just see how worthless and empty it was on the other side. Again, scripture debunking that God just comes to give us everything we want that'll make us happy. And this is scripture debunking that when we get those things, that it'll be fulfilling. It's, it's not. This is what Solomon's letting us know. It's why we have this scripture. Happiness does have a hangover. Um, Jim Carrey, the actor, he had this great quote. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. On the contrast, Solomon had a king, Solomon's dad was King David. And David wrote most of the Psalms, and David wrote a lot about joy. And I want to read a couple of things that he wrote. In Psalm 30, verse 5, he said, Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Circumstances are going to go high and low, and you're going to have hard times, but joy continues to show up every single morning because this is what he said in Psalm 1611. He said, in your presence, he's talking to the Lord, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Joy comes in the morning because God is still there and he's still present and he's available for you to choose to draw near him as long as you have breath in your lungs and life. You can draw near and experience his joy every single morning no matter the circumstances that are going on in your life. Happiness has a hangover, but joy comes in the morning. Number three, happiness can be taken but joy can never be taken. Happiness can be taken, but joy can never be taken. Katie and I, uh, we've been learning, we've learned a lot about joy, especially in the last year, but there's a lesson that God had been teaching us that, that stems back a few years at this point. So when we had our first daughter, Haley, this was three and a half years ago, and Two weeks after Haley was born, she stopped gaining weight. And uh, we reached out just looking for any type of help we could get. And someone had us check her mouth. And, and we took her, got her mouth checked, and found she had lip ties, tongue ties, and cheek buckles. And what that caused was that it prevented Haley from being able to latch to feed. So she wasn't, she wasn't feeding properly. And so the way that you address this and fix this is we had to go through like a dental surgery. It was like a laser surgery where they kind of went in and, and opened things up. Now, as first-time parents, this healing process 
and, and the recovery process was brutal. What we had to do was every, every three hours, for three weeks, okay, every three hours, we had to take Haley and we would, one of us would hold her down and the other would have to take coconut oil and put on our fingers and we would have to open her mouth and, and make sure that we were opening the wounds so that they would heal back properly. It, I mean, it was brutal. We had to wake her up in the middle of the night. I mean, we would literally, we'd, 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 we'd put a headlamp on and go in and it's just like, I mean, we're like we're, as parents, we're like, we're inflicting pain. Now, it was quick, short-lived. As soon as we're done, like, opening the wound, Haley's good, and she healed great. And we've, we've now learned, like, there's going to be tons of benefits, even beyond just her feeding, that are going to be in her future and her life. So we're so grateful that God revealed that and made it clear. But this was a brutal process. Well, fast forward to last year. We're coming up now one year since Anna was born. And leading into Anna's birth, Katie and I prayed a ton. And God, this was tough with Haley. We're just going to ask. You tell us we can ask anything. We're going to ask. God, would, would you just resolve this issue? Even if Anna has it right now in the womb, would you resolve it so that we don't have to go through this again? And we actually, you know what Anna's middle name is? It's Joy. We give her the name Joy because we believe that God's going to bring her tons of joy and he's going to bring tons of joy through her. And we just, we just prayed, God, would you resolve this? Well, Anna's born and it's the first thing we wanted them to check. Like, like she's out and they're like, oh, what do you want to name her? We're like, check her mouth. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're just, we're ready, right? We want to know that, that she's okay. They check everything out and she's good. And we are stoked. We're like praising God and, and Katie just really like, she really felt like, Lord, this is you restoring joy in an area that it felt like the enemy stole joy from us with Haley. Like this is you restoring our joy. Thank you, Lord. Until Anna hit four months old and then all of a sudden she stopped gaining weight and she stopped eating well. And we thought, oh no, surely not. So we go to get her checked out. Same issues. Tongue tie, lip tie, cheek buckles. And the recovery process at four months old was way more brutal than at two weeks old because she was way more aware of what was going on through the process. Brutal. We went up to Nashville to get the surgery done with the same surgeon that had, that had worked on Haley while we had lived there. We were staying with a friend, and I remember... I remember so clearly just an honest moment with, with Katie. She'd been upstairs for a while, and I was like, all right, I need to go check on her. And I go up, she's on the floor, and she's just, you know, she's crying. She's been crying for a while. And I just, I'm sitting on the floor with her, just trying to add comfort any way I can. And she was just honest. She said, Kevin, I don't get it. I don't get it. I feel like God is doing this to me. Like, I feel like God is mad at me. Like, this is just some game that he's just playing. Like, why? I'm his daughter, and I love him, and I trust him, and I ask him, why? Why would he put Anna through this? Why would he put me through this as a mom? And then I'm sitting there as a husband, like, I'm a wreck. Like, I, I don't have any advice right now because I got my own questions. Like, God, she's right. Like, we are. We're trusting you with our lives. 
We've taken a lot of steps of faith here. This is small. Can't, can't you like reach out and just, just help us in this, this one area? This was so, so tough. I want to illustrate real quick something that came to my mind this week that I think illustrates the difference between happiness that's found in circumstances or joy that's unshakable. You ever one of these in your house? Thermostat? Most of us do. Probably most, most all of us do. Okay. Um, if I set this, it was upside down. Yeah. If I set this in my house to 72 degrees, it's going to tell the unit that's either heating or cooling the house to work however hard it needs to according to what's going on outside to make sure that inside is maintained at 72 degrees. And there are some times it doesn't have to work that hard. Last Friday and Saturday, it was about 72 degrees. It was perfect, you know? Awesome. Last night, 20-something degrees. The unit had to work a lot harder to maintain 72 degrees in the house, but it worked hard and it maintained it. When we're living life looking for our circumstances to maintain and sustain our happiness that's going on, it's as if we were turning this off and saying, nah, we'll just kind of let the circumstances play. Eventually what's happening outside is going to affect how things feel inside. It may not happen right away, but it will happen over time. Even if you've been using this before, like even if, even if Friday, Katie and I have this thing turned on and, and rocking in our house, we turn it off Saturday morning. By Saturday night, we're going to start to feel the effects of what's going on outside, right? We're going to begin to feel it. If, it. if the temperatures are dropping, things are going to be affected. This is what relying on the circumstances that bring us happiness is like. It affects our inner life. And there are, there may be days that it's 72 degrees and it may be awesome, but guess what? We live in South Carolina. It's gonna be 20 today and it might be 70 tomorrow, right? And that's how life is. That's how life is. There may be days that are rocking, but low days are coming. Joy is when we have this and we go, we go to this and we say, hold on, it, it is cold out. It, it is gonna get tough. But we've got something that's different. We've got something that's based in, in a condition, based in a faith, based in a person, a person who is unchangeable and unshakable in the midst of any circumstance. That person is Jesus. And this is what he had to say about joy. This is in John 16. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. He's telling this to his disciples. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A, like a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I'll see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. Jesus was preparing his disciples because right after this, he would be arrested and he would be crucified on a criminal's death for sins that he was not guilty of. Publicly shamed. And then he would be buried and, and his closest friends who he's talking to would experience three days of hopelessness. 
and grief and no signs of, of happiness until the plan started to come together. And as one of the New Testament writers said, Jesus endured this pain for the joy that was set before him because he knew what was coming. Because on the third day, it was time to show his glory. And God raised him from the dead. And in that one moment and in that one act, he proved that he came here and he defeated sin. And in his resurrection, he defeated death. And in his return, which he's been talking about, he is going to come back and forever defeat Satan and any evil that's coming out here and creating the circumstances that are robbing you of happiness in your life. Joy equals Jesus. Let me say it again. Joy equals Jesus. When we've got Jesus, we can have joy no matter what. It, it was the joy that was set before him that he did all of this for you. I want you to know something. You were the joy that was set before him. His relationship with you was the joy that was set before him. And he wants you to receive his everlasting joy, which can only be found in him. Maybe some of you today are like, you know what? I, I was feeling like my joy has been stolen in my marriage right now. But, but maybe I haven't plugged back into Jesus in a while. Or, or maybe you know that, that rough times are coming. Maybe you're in rough times right now. Like, it's getting cold outside. Like, Jesus, my relationship, it is on edge right now. And it is high, and then it is low. And it is high, and it is low. And I don't know what to do. Jesus, I'm going to have to set you, and I'm going to ask that you work a little harder because I need more of you. I need more of your joy in my marriage right now. You know what Jesus says? You can have as much of me as you want to have. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. That's what Jesus says. He wants to bring his joy and be your joy in that situation. Maybe financially right now, you're looking around in the world and you're like, I don't know. I am worried and I can't seem to find joy with what's going on in our world. Jesus, it's getting cold. Like I, I, need, to set, I need to set this. I need you to work harder. And Jesus is saying, I'll work as hard as you need me to work. That's what I did. I, I, took, I, I laid it all down. I laid my life down for you. I'm crazy about you. I want you to have my joy, my everlasting joy. No one can steal your joy because no one can steal Jesus. They tried to steal him. They tried to defeat him, and they failed. It's the gospel. A couple weeks after... Anna fully recovered. God's so good. God's so good. Anna fully recovered. And by the way, if she hadn't fully recovered, God's still good. But she fully recovered. And Katie is sitting down with Jesus. And that, I, I just remember she's, she had had time with him. She was like, we have to talk tonight. We've got to sit down and talk. Because God has just rocked my world. I'm like, yeah, sweet. So we, we get to sit down. And she's like, man, I'm sitting with God this morning. And I'm just, 
you know, re-going through everything we just walked through with Hannah, with him, and I'm just praying. And she said it was just so clear. I, I just heard God impressing on me and talking to me. He said, Katie, I'm so sorry that I had to teach you this lesson this way. She's like, what? He's like, I'm so sorry. I know that you've named Anna, Anna Joy. And, and she does. She brings us joy. And she's going to bring tons of people joy. She is a joy. But what God wanted to, to tell Katie in that moment and then told me right through Katie was, was that we were never supposed to find our ultimate joy in our kids. That's not a pressure that they were ever made to carry. Our joy, the fulfilling, everlasting joy that our hearts long for can only be found in Jesus. What God told Katie is, Katie, I want to be your joy. She's like weeping. I'm weeping. Like, yes, Jesus, we want you to be. We want you to be our joy. And it's so cool. Um, fast forward a couple more months, we start a Bible reading plan with many of you in the church, maybe if you're going through the Bible recap. And we do day one, and there's a podcaster every single day. And do you know how she ends every single episode? She says, he's where the joy is. I just remember day one, Katie's like, what? This is awesome. And then day two, we hear it again, and Katie's like, what? And this morning before I left the house, Katie's like, what? He's where the joy is. Some of you feel like your joy's been stolen. I want to tell you something. Your joy hasn't been stolen. It may just be time to choose to draw back into Jesus and ask him for your joy again. No one can steal your joy. For some of you today, you have had the ups and downs of feelings of happiness throughout your life. But this, this inner gladness, this joy that we're talking about, your heart's leaping right now because you're longing for this. You were created to long for this, but you've never had this. And it's because you've never surrendered your life or trusted Jesus for it. You've looked everywhere else. Today could be the day that you say, you know what? I'm in. I'm done looking everywhere else. I'm going to give it a shot. Jesus, I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust you to be my joy. I'm going to trust you to save me from my sins. He can do that right now. I'm going to ask that we pray. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, you just pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I am done looking everywhere else for happiness. I believe that you are who you say you are. And I believe that you came here and lived a perfect life and that you took my punishment on the cross, that you died for my sins. But I believe that God raised you from the dead. And so today, Jesus... I ask you to save me from my sins. I ask you to be my savior. I ask you to bring me your joy. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. For the rest of us in the room, I want to pray a prayer that Paul wrote in the book of Romans. Just pray this over you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Jesus, we ask for more of your joy in our lives. 
that, Lord, we would have a joy that's unshakable through any circumstance, and that through that, we would be a people who is set apart to draw more in this world to your truth, that there is no one else and nothing else that can save what our hearts need except for you, King Jesus. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.